Hello everyone and welcome to our second bonus episode, where today we'll be looking at Arban's first feature film, Chicken Run. We'll be looking at where the ideas came from, how they made the film, and the public response, so keep listening for all of that. Make sure you've subscribed and do leave a rating or review if you can, I'd love to hear from you. You can also get in touch by emailing worldofwallaceandgromit at gmail.com with any comments or suggestions of what you'd like from the podcast. That's worldofwallaceandgromit at gmail.com. World of Wallace and Gromit is all one word, no spaces, no punctuation. So, on with the show. If you listen to episode 5, The Great Vegetable Plot, you may remember that in 1994, DreamWorks co-founder Jeffrey Katzenberg sent a private jet to pick up Ardman co-founder Peter Lord, Wallace and Gromit creator Nick Park, filmmaker Jake Eberts, and Ardman's head of development Michael Rose up at the nearest airport to the Sundance Festival and fly them back to dine in LA with himself and the legendary film director Steven Spielberg that very same evening. This gave the Ardman team the perfect opportunity to pitch their idea for the film Chicken Run. Upon arriving at the airport in LA, they were greeted by an enormous DreamWorks limo to take them to the restaurant where they'd be dining. Spielberg was running late, so they ate with just Jeffrey Katzenberg and Walter Parks, who was a close associate of Spielberg's. And guess what was the restaurant's speciality? Chicken. After eating, Spielberg walked in in a casual shirt, jeans and a baseball cap, a very understated entrance for the world's most successful and famous film director at the time. Jake Eberts mentioned that Ardman had an idea and suggested they pitch it. Their big moment had arrived. Peter and Nick knew that the perfect ten-word pitch could be the difference between getting a movie deal or not. So, Nick took a deep breath and said, We want to do The Great Escape with chickens. A moment's silence and then laughter from the DreamWorks team. Spielberg in particular loved the idea. He told them that when he was growing up, The Great Escape had been one of his favourite films, and he also owned a ranch near Malibu where he kept 300 chickens. Peter and Nick must have breathed a sigh of relief. Now that the initial idea had gone down well, Peter and Nick were able to elaborate on how they saw the film's story going, and a few of the characters in it, picking up each other's cues and engaging the DreamWorks audience in their idea. Peter remembers grinning at Nick and thinking that they couldn't have hoped for a better response. At one point, Nick felt confident enough to explain what had inspired him. It was a fable-like story, perhaps from India, of a man who found an egg of an eagle. He took it home, and it was reared by chickens. It behaved as chickens would, and when it looked up at the sky and saw an eagle, it asked its fellow chickens what it was. They told him it was an eagle, the king of the birds. But we're chickens, so we belong down here. So the eagle lived and died a chicken, because that's what he thought he was. Nick had a copy of the story with him, which he gave to Spielberg, who was moved by the tale. He read it to his children before they went to bed, and they all loved it. As the evening came to an end, the atmosphere couldn't have been better. There was a positive energy from all involved, and when they shook hands, Peter knew that they'd got themselves a deal with DreamWorks. Back in the UK, Peter addressed the 60 or so employees of Argman to tell them of their successful pitch in Hollywood, and how DreamWorks were prepared to part finance Chicken Run with Pathé. He didn't know what exactly that would mean for the studio, but he knew that they were going to need some more people, some more space, and some new ways of working, and that it would be an adventure for them all. This would be the first British stop-motion animation feature film ever, 
So he told them we'll be building something unique and I hope creating something that none of us will ever forget. Chicken Run is set on Mr and Mrs Tweedy's farm in Yorkshire and is centred around a brood of hens trying to escape their prisoner of war style coop. Ginger, voiced by Julia Sawala, is the natural leader of the group and collaborates with the others to come up with different plans for escape. Unfortunately, none successful in the long term. She finally concludes that they would need to get over the very high fence if they ever wanted freedom from the farm's captivity, something she and the other chickens couldn't do. As she sits forlornly that evening, a Rhode Island red cockerel named Rocky, and voiced by Mel Gibson, flies over the fence and crash lands into the coop. After seeing Rocky on a torn poster, appearing to be flying through the air, Ginger makes a deal with him that he teaches them to fly, although he agrees reluctantly, in return for them hiding him from his owners. Starting the next day, flying training begins, but Ginger is not entirely convinced that the exercises Rocky gets them doing will achieve their goal. Meanwhile, evil Mrs Tweedy has got a new money-making scheme going. Making chicken pies. Ooh, what kind of pies? Apple. My favourite chicken pies, you great lummox. Keen to test it out, they grab Ginger and send her to almost certain death in the demonic metal-clunking chicken-crushing machine, which will combine chicken with all the other ingredients like pastry, vegetables, gravy, to send out a complete pie. Chickens go in, pies come out. In an act of chivalry, Rocky rescues a grateful Ginger from her fate, but she later discovers that he used to be in a circus act and was in fact shot out of a cannon and couldn't actually fly. Now the pressure's on for Ginger to come up with a new plan to escape from the farm and get all the chickens to safety before any fell victim to the Tweedy's pie machine. I won't spoil the end if you haven't seen it, but it's fair to say that it keeps you on the edge of your seat. In the first version of the story, dated August 1996, we have lots of the characters we know from the final film, like the Tweedies, Ginger, Fowler and Rocky, albeit with a few differences in character, but there or thereabouts. For example, Mr Tweedy is a strict vegetarian, but his wife sometimes raids the hen house for a chicken dinner. Ginger has two named friends, Paxo and McNugget, and an old and respected Fowler has a second-in-command named Haxby. After various adventures, rebellious Ginger and dashing wild Rocky embark on a life of crime together, and after he abandons her to her fate at a police station, she returns to the farm, which is now a prison camp, and Haxby rules the roost with strict military style. Despite the Titan's security, Mr Tweedy notices that chickens are still going missing, so turns to robot security for assistance. Ginger sees a flock of birds, which inspires her quest for flight. Rocky reappears, and the brood plan their escape. After almost failing to escape Mrs Tweedy's anti-aircraft gun while on board a giant wooden albatross, mid-fall, Ginger encourages them all to flap. They realise they can fly, albeit very ungracefully, and flap away into the sunset. Quite different to what the final plot ended up as, but you can see a lot of similarities with this very early storyline. When it came to getting a screenwriter on board to help Nick and Peter develop the script, British writer Jack Rosenthal was the first choice, which worked for a few months before it transpired that things were not going quite as hoped. Kerry Kirkpatrick was then recommended by Jake Ebbets as he had co-scripted James and the Giant Peach, Thunderbirds and had many other skills, including being used to working in collaborative ways with other filmmakers. 
The only drawback was that he was not British, and Nick felt that it was important when making a very English film. However, upon meeting Kerry, Nick took a liking to him, and after a little time, both Nick and Peter agreed that he was the right man for the job. One of the first things they did was take a trip to the Dales of Yorkshire, in the north of England, where the film was to be set. Wensydale, to be precise. Coincidentally, an important place to a certain cheese-loving inventor we know. While staying there, they came up with lots of ideas for the story, inspired by things they'd seen or heard whilst out on walks in the hills, visiting village pubs, and talking with residents, which also gave American Kerry a real feel for this part of British culture. After two weeks, they returned to Bristol with an outline, before Kerry went home to California to spend another four weeks finishing the first draft of the script. After months more of scrutiny, cuts and reshuffles from the three of them and Katzenberg over at DreamWorks, and a little dialogue polishing from a couple of other writers, they had a script ready for production. Now, when it comes to animating, you ideally want characters with big feet, three or more chunky legs, and not too much on top, so they're able to support themselves. Chickens, on the other hand, are the complete opposite. Spindly legs, fat round bodies, covered in feathers. A nightmare for stability, and every time you moved them, feathers would make it obvious that they'd been touched. Another problem was that they needed literally hundreds of chicken models made, which would have taken far too long if they'd all be hand-moulded from plasticine. Added to this, plasticine is prone to getting dirty very quickly, simply from dust in the air and handling, so the models would have needed constant maintenance to keep them in top form. The solution was to construct them largely from silicon, which can be poured and set in a mould around a wire armature skeleton. Details like the fluffles, to give the impressions of feathers, could then be added, and moving sections like wings, legs and heads joined in plasticine. Lots of the chickens have scarves around their necks to hide the join between these two materials. This way of making them not only halved the weight of the models compared with a fully plasticine alternative, but allowed exact copies to be made, keeping continuity when filming on different sets at the same time with the same characters. Silicon can be moulded to match the crafted look of plasticine, but has the other advantage that it can be just wiped clean without losing any detail. Another model-making challenge was to do with scale. Normally, 12-inch models are used, but when you have to have much larger tweedies compared with the chickens, you run into problems. This scale disparity led to having to build puppets on two scales. When 12-inch chickens are used, the Tweedies puppets are pretty much child size, but when 12-inch Tweedies are used, the chickens are built two inches tall. When it comes to recording the characters' voices, the job of a voice actor requires incredible patience, as even the shortest of lines often requires multiple takes to vary the intonation to get it just right for the directors. The sound is recorded before any animation is done, so all the actors have to go on is the script, some storyboard drawings if you're lucky, and advice from the directors. So you've got to have a clear understanding of the character in your mind to fully embrace the role. But this also offers the opportunity for the actors to make their own contribution to the characters and really make it their own. Unlike live-action films, the sound that goes with an animated film has to be recorded separately and added afterwards from the sound of birds chirping, the growl of dogs, to the crunch of boots on gravel. Devising the right soundscape for Chicken Run was headed up by a local sound editor, James Mather, with Delaney Sound Studios in London, 
and one of their biggest challenges was working out how the enormous pie machine was going to sound. Graham Hedekar was the main person working on this, and his aim was to create a musical, rhythmic, yet sinister soundtrack for the machine. It's all the details like that that create the atmosphere for the film, without the viewer even realising its influence. For the music, Peter and Nick chose two English composers, Harry Gregson Williams and John Powell, to produce the score. They had previously collaborated on the DreamWorks film Ants, and Powell had been a huge fan of the Great Escape film since childhood. Their way of composing to perfectly capture the emotions within a scene is very impressive, and you can clearly hear the references to the style of film that the initial inspiration came from. My favourite aspect has got to be the kazoo, though, in the opening sequence. Genius. On the 23rd of June 2000, Chicken Run was released in the UK, with the US release three days later. It was a total and complete success, grossing $224 million in the box office, and is to this day the highest grossing stop-motion animated film of all time. It went on to be nominated for two BAFTAs, a Golden Globe, and numerous other awards, including many which it won. Having proved they could make a successful feature film, Aardman went on to make many others, including Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Flushed Away, Arthur Christmas, Pirates, two Shaun the Sheep movies, and Early Man. However, in 2018, it was announced that there would be a Chicken Run sequel, and in June this year, coinciding with the 20th anniversary of the original, Netflix announced that they had negotiated the rights to the sequel. Director Sam Fell has revealed that the film will follow on from the first, and centre around the chick of Rocky and Ginger, named Molly, who begins to outgrow the area just as a new threat to the chickens arrives. Production is scheduled to begin next year in 2021, and even from a public point of view, the process so far has not been plain sailing. Mel Gibson will not be returning to voice Rocky after he made anti-Semitic remarks, and Ginger has also been recast with a younger actress over concerns that the original voice of Julia Sawala has aged too much. This latter decision was met with criticism, as it was deemed ageist, especially as she wasn't asked to do a voice test before deciding if her voice was suitable or not. An interesting decision by Ardman there. There's no release date set yet, and I doubt the pandemic has helped things, but hopefully we'll get some more information soon. They've certainly set themselves a hard task of improving on the original, but I can't wait to see what they come up with. What do you think of that then, Gromit? Today's review is of the book Chicken Run, Hatching the Movie, written by Brian Sibley and published in 2000 by Boxtree. This is a fascinating book, which I found really helpful when putting together this episode. It's hugely detailed and goes into the background around the birth of the ideas, the style with which they went around making it, and all the challenges they met along the way. With so many fantastic pictures as well, it really gives you an insight into what a mammoth task making this film was. Right from developing the script, getting the right people involved, 
creating a whole new studio that was big enough for a feature film, creating stylized chickens, storyboarding, casting, lighting, sound, photography, the whole lot, it's all in there, as well as photographs from on set and making props and models for it. It has incredibly detailed sketches and artist impressions, which really enable the reader to get an idea about how much work goes into every single second in an animated film. This is such a great book, and I'd really recommend getting it if you're interested in finding out much more than I've been able to put into this episode. I got mine through a second-hand book website, but people also sell it on eBay. So, that's the end of this chicken-filled episode. I hope you found it interesting and are as excited as I am for the sequel, whenever it comes out. Till next week then, goodbye. From me, from Gromit, from Arj. Au revoir, chucks.